You're listening to Preaching Source, a ministry of Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary's School of Preaching. I'm your host, Professor Barry McCarty. This is Aaron Halstead, content manager and editor for Preaching Source, filling in for Dr. McCarty today. Uh, In the studio this morning, we have Dr. Matt Harrison. Dr. Harrison is the uh, Assistant Professor of Foundations of Education and uh, the Jack D. and Barbara Terry Chair of Religious Education here at Southwestern Seminary. His uh, research interests include theology and philosophy of education, biblical anthropology, discipleship, and ecclesiology. He began teaching here at Southwestern as a graduate teaching assistant in 2012, and he's moved to full-time faculty in 2015. Uh, Dr. Harrison, it's good to have you in the studio today. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. All right. Well, we're uh, with Dr. Harrison this morning discussing uh, preaching and teaching. So Dr. Harrison's scripture makes repeated mention um, of the importance of teaching in the local church. Can you comment on um, what this teaching is? How is it defined? What's the nature of it? Uh, what's the contents of that teaching? All right. Glad to do so. Uh, and I would, I would echo and agree that scripture uh, definitely emphasizes teaching as one of the ministries within the local church, uh, and, and we see it modeled throughout Scripture, but I particularly want to mention a few New Testament passages as I begin uh, that definitely give us that example of teaching, whether it's Acts 2.42, where uh, the early church there right after Pentecost uh, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayer, uh, that pattern of teaching, of course, was, was uh, continued as the church grew and spread, uh, e- even into the Gentile context. Uh, for example, uh, in Acts eleven twenty five through 26, the, the teaching ministry was emphasized uh, very much there um, as far as in the, the ministry of Barnabas, and at that time, Saul, soon to be Paul, uh, they emphasized teaching there in, uh, in Antioch, and then the same emphasis was continued even in Acts 18.11 with uh, Paul in Corinth, uh, and uh, that teaching ministry, uh, of course, it didn't just uh, revolve around the apostles and, and what they did, but uh, it ex- extends to all believers with uh, the pastor one of the qualifications of being a pastor is, is being apt to teach, uh, along with, uh, in Ephesians 4.11, the, uh, the pastor-slash-teacher, of course, uh, is to, to be a teacher. And then there's a sense in which all believers, according to Colossians 3.16, are called to teach one another. So uh, with all that, and there's many more passages that I could mention, but, but with all that, uh, we have the model for us of the necessity of teaching within the local church. Uh, and as far as a definition and maybe lumping in, in with the nature of teaching, uh, I would say that, that, that teaching is uh, explaining and communicating the Word of God, and I'm particularly speaking of this in the context of the local church, explaining and communicating the Word of God in the power of the Holy Spirit uh, so that others may, may know Jesus and grow in Jesus, so they might be edified, so they might be built up. Uh, that's very much, I believe, at the heart of, of what teaching is all about. Um, then, uh, when we, further, when we think about the, the nature of teaching, 
it, it's really important that we dispel the idea that teaching is just dispensing information. Uh, sometimes we think of teaching in that respect, and, and, and in no way do I want to communicate that uh, information is secondary or not important, or I definitely don't want to communicate that content is not important in our teaching. Content is essential and, and the heart of it, uh, but it's not an end in and of itself. Uh, biblically speaking, the nature of teaching is that uh, we want people to actually uh, respond and live out what they're taught as it accords with the Word of God. Uh, so very much we, we teach uh, so that people might, might grow, might be, uh, become like Jesus, mature in Jesus, which is at the heart of what Paul talked about in, at the end of Colossians chapter 1. Um, so as far as the nature of che- teaching, uh, there's elements there. It goes beyond just giving uh, facts and this, that, and the other, but there's actual application and obedience, which is what Jesus was all about uh, as far as what he told us to do in the Great Commission. Teach them to obey all that I have commanded. Uh, we're live it out. There's, uh, there's that important aspect uh, so we, ex- we instruct, we expound, we explain, we seek to apply uh, the scriptures in our, in our teaching. Um, as far as the, the content, I believe you asked about content. Um, uh, the content of our teaching, it's incredibly important that we, that we understand this uh, because uh, we can get off track really quickly, but I think there's at least two scriptures that uh, that speak to this very importantly for us. I think of 2 Timothy chapter 3, uh, we, we typically center on 16 and 17, but if we go back a few verses to, to uh, 2 Timothy 3, 14 through 17, uh, we see that Paul uh, affirmed the work of, of teaching in the life of, of Timothy from a very early age uh, actually, the, the passage says, but as for you, continue in what you've learned and firmly believed. You know those who taught you. You know from infancy that you've known the sacred scriptures which are able to give you wisdom for salvation through faith in Jesus. All scripture is inspired by God and useful for teaching, reproof, correction, training in righteousness so that we might be equipped for every good work. Uh, so uh, it's my conviction that as churches, as far as our content, we teach all Scripture uh, centered on Christ because we know all Scripture equips us for every good work. Uh, it, it's essential that we, that we understand that. And again, I've referenced the Great Commission, teaching them to observe all that Christ commanded would be central in our content as well. Hmm. So if there's, uh, in the New Testament, if there's this repeated emphasis giving to, given to teaching, uh, should we then view the church as uh, an educational uh, institution? And, and if so, are there any uh, disadvantages or advantages that you see in, in implementing that paradigm shift in, in how we conduct ministry? Yeah, as far as uh, viewing the church as an educational institution, I, I would not be comfortable with that. Uh, I think one of the disadvantages to viewing the church as an educational institution is it can obscure 
the essence of the church. Uh, we think about the, the essence or the nature of the church. Um, if we're not careful, we can, we can cloud that if we think the church is an educational institution. Uh, you know, as far as the nature and essence of the church, the church is the people of God. God is a God of truth. The church, as far as its nature and essence, is also the body of Christ. And, of course, John 14, 6 reminds us that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Uh, also, the, the church, in, in its essence, is the temple of the Holy Spirit. And uh, as far as the temple of the Holy Spirit, we know that, that the Holy Spirit, according to John 16, he is the spirit of truth, and he guides us in truth. So uh, we want to be careful that we don't obscure those themes connecting uh, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, our relationship to him, uh, and the fact of truth being central. I think we've got to start there. We've got to hold on to that and realize that truth is not self-evident. God has wired the world such that we need teachers to teach that truth, to expound that truth um, in, 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 our, in our work. Uh, so I would, I would not really be comfortable with classifying the church as an educational institution. As far as a function of the church, I would draw a distinction. There is a function of teaching that flows out of the essence uh, that that is definitely there but but i'm i'm just i get uncomfortable about i don't want us to obscure what the essence of the church is so uh when it comes to a, a local church context um i've heard some people maintain this distinction between preaching and teaching that they're that they're two um different two different things two different two different activities uh, so do you agree that these two tasks are, are separated from, from one another? And, and then based on that answer, uh, um, how, what's the difference or what's the relationship between um, a preacher and a teacher? All right. This is a good question, definitely. I've heard a lot of conversation regarding preaching, teaching over the years. And uh, in, in answer to the question, I would first say there does seem to be uh, some distinction between the two terms as they're spelled out in Scripture. Um, it, it seems that, that preaching is all about announcing, heralding, proclaiming, especially proclamation of the gospel. Uh, a, a preacher heralds the Word of God, proclaims the Word of God, especially the saving gospel. Um, and one of the most important settings in which he does that is before the gathered body of the local church, uh, but that proclamation, I believe, if it's done right, is combined with teaching. Uh, if, if we're understanding this, this uh, you know, teaching is all about explaining. It's all about instructing. It's all about training uh, and, and related things. And, um, you know, by the way, I think teachers are also called to proclaim the good news of Christ. Uh, uh, so while there may be some elements of distinction between teaching and preaching, uh, I would not be one who would say for a pastor that they should separate uh, the two. Uh, and, and, you know, I think Paul held the two together. 
uh, Colossians chapter 1, starting around verse 24, he expounds his ministry. And in verse 28, he, uh, he mentions that we proclaim him, we proclaim Christ, uh, admonishing every man and teaching every man so that we may present every, every man mature in Christ. So he united the two, and I think the two are, are essential. Um, I've said it many times over the years. Uh, when I stand before a group, I seem to do both in certain respects. Uh, when, I, when I preach, I teach. When I teach, I, uh, I preach as well. So I don't necessarily think there's a hard and fast distinction, uh, separation between the two. Um, you know, good preaching always includes good teaching as well. All right, so if we are to understand, um, if we were to understand the pastor as being uh, the primary teacher um, of, of his local church, how can he ensure that his sermons function um, in this way, where, he's, where he is teaching uh, the congregation? And does he need to give up um, maybe some traditional methods or styles that we commonly associate with preaching to be able to to function in a in a teaching capacity in his sermons. Yeah, another another good question there. I I would be one who does affirm the 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 pastor as the primary teacher in the local church. Uh, it is a central part of his role in his ministry to the to the body. Uh, you know, as as a pastor, shepherd, pastor and teacher are united together in Scripture. Um, but as far as ensuring that his sermons function in the way of being primary, uh, I think there's several things that, uh, that can be done. There needs to be focus of the pastor on adequate preparation, practically speaking. You know, he's got to find a way to engage in prayer and the ministry of the Word, in the study, in the preparation uh, of, of, of sermons, uh, such that uh, there's substance such that there's, there's meat, such that there's freshness in what he's doing. Um, he needs to be able to devote significant time to do this, and, and a church has got to get behind the pastor in being able to do this. So uh, churches uh, need to be, uh, as they reflect on the Word of God, they need to be willing to allow the pastor to give himself to Acts 6 kind of ministry, devoting uh, devoting himself to prayer and the ministry of the word. So adequate preparation would be there. And uh, along with that, I think, I think pastors should be continually uh, trying to learn, trying to better themselves, uh, to become better teachers. And with that, they, uh, I think they, they, they have a more fruitful, more effective ministry. So whether it's reading books, whether it's attending conferences. Uh, the uh, text-driven preaching conference that Southwestern has is a wonderful opportunity for the pastor to come and uh, get more training on this matter. Um, so that would be one, one big area is adequate preparation. Also, I think as far as this question is concerned, uh, there needs to be a lot of attention to worship service design. Um, and, you know, one of the trends within the church is to emphasize songs, singing, and uh, to the diminishing of 
the preached word. And uh, certainly both are important. I have no problem with songs. Songs are, are, are important. I believe they're, uh, it, it, singing is a biblical aspect of a worship service. I have no problem with that, but we dare not diminish preaching. We've got to affirm the centrality of preaching and organize our services to where uh, preaching is still central. And uh, uh, I think that's very important. Another thing that a church can do as far as this question, and this may not be suitable for every church, but I know that there are some, some churches out there that will allow uh, or align small group meetings with uh, the sermon or the sermon series the pastor is, is uh, preaching through. They, you might call this a sermon-based small group where they're tackling the same passage in the small group that the, pe- the preacher is preaching on. Uh, giving that small group the opportunity to reflect more and, and spend more time thinking and about the passage that is being preached upon and to seek to, to, to apply it, to talk out the application. That would be a, a, another way in which the primacy of uh, the pastor as a teacher might be affirmed. All right, so you've mentioned, you've mentioned here the uh, aligning small groups along with what's happening um, in the pulpit, but is, are there any other ways that, that a church can take these, these education-type ministries and, and continue to align those and, and supplement what's happening on a Sunday morning? Yeah, um, and uh, I would say definitely so. I, th- I think one of the most important things that churches need to do, and uh, this is actually, it, it can be a challenging thing, but uh, there does need to be focus on organizing educational ministries to supplement that teaching. I think a first step, a first thing that needs to be done is there needs to be a unified vision of education in a local church for all ages. Many times uh, within our churches, the children go in one direction, the students go in another, uh, the adults go in yet another direction educationally, and we uh, that is, I would argue, not the most healthy way to go about the organization of our uh, educational ministry. So we need to take a step back, I believe, and uh, the pastor, as, as, the, as the leader, uh, along with staff, along with other volunteers and leaders, need to work together to, to define a unified vision for educational ministry. Um, and, uh, you know, make sure that there's a common purpose, a common set of goals. Uh, church-wide, I think, is key, the, the ones that are defined and clear. Um, of course, there will be specific goals within the various age groups that, that might differ a bit, but overarching purpose and goals can definitely agree and should definitely agree, I believe. And there needs to be a unified plan of curriculum uh, and when I think of curriculum, I'm thinking particularly just the specific uh, details of what should be taught. Uh, it's very important that the curriculum be organized and be streamlined and be unified, not necessarily all the time, not every age group all the time, uh, learning the same things necessarily, but a unified direction and vision for it all. Um, related to that, Uh, and I know this is not so much an organizational element, but I think it's key in the whole thing, Uh, we've got to couple any organizational 
steps that we make with good training of our teachers to make sure every teacher in every group, in every segment of the educational ministry knows how to handle the Word of God. They know how to study it. They know how to interpret it. They know how to apply it in a sound way. That's, that's incredibly, uh, incredibly important in it as well. Um, <clears throat> further, I, I, could, I could go on. There, there, you know, I would be an advocate of, of organizing with a strong Sunday school. Uh, a strong Great Commission, Acts 2, 42 and following sort of Sunday school where we are reaching people, where we are training people, teaching people, uh, even the rudimentary elements of discipleship in a Sunday school setting. Uh, I, I, think, I think we need to recover that. That's not always emphasized in, in our day and age. Uh, and, and beyond that, I would be an advocate we're organizing with a various forms of uh, more intimate discipleship. Uh, we sometimes call them D groups. I think it's. I think that can be uh, very helpful in helping to keep believers accountable, to keep believers challenged, and challenging them in ministry, in memorizing scripture, in applying scripture. Um, and uh, I think all those organizational elements are key. Okay, Dr. Harrison, uh, the New Testament makes mention of those who are gifted in, in teaching or, or this, this gift of, spiritual gift of teaching. So how would, how would you define that New Testament gift of teaching? And, and do you believe that there are any positions, I can think of one perhaps, but can you think of uh, any positions in the church where um, the person occupying that role must possess that gift. All right, yeah. Um, as far as this question, uh, I would define the gift of teaching as uh, a gift, a, a grace gift of the Holy Spirit that, that He gives to believers uh, such that they have the ability to explain and communicate the Word of God uh, in a way that's understandable, to apply the Word of God, to open it up so believers know how to apply it, uh, so that believers might be edified. Uh, and, uh, you know, they're, they're just able to open up the Word, explain it, apply it to those that they teach. As far as positions where the gift would be necessary, I would say on the basis of Ephesians 4, 7 through 12, uh, I, I, would, I would affirm that the pastor-teacher uh, should have that gift. That's, that's part of, uh, of, of what he's to do. The, you know, sometimes we call him the teaching pastor, whatever we might call him. Uh, I, would, I, would, I think that um, uh, it would be important that the, the pastor of the church be gifted in, in the area of, of teaching. Um, you know, beyond that, it's good to have as many teachers as possible who have that gift uh, in, within the educational ministry of the church, though uh, I would not be one who would say it's required in every instance, um, but, uh, you know, you'd want to seek those people out for sure. Um, but I think all small group leaders should have some level of teaching ability such that they're going to teach well, whether or not they're, uh, quote, gifted by the Spirit in that. 
uh, they ought to have some level and ability to teach. Okay, so how does a pastor go about identifying members in his church who possess this gift, and how can he make sure that they're using that gift effectively in the church? Well, when I was a pastor, this was this was a challenge, um, and uh, you know, just recognizing giftedness and things like that. But there's there's a few things that I think a pastor ought to do to identify members with that gift, or to be able to identify them. Uh, pastors have to fulfill their role; they have to shepherd the people. They have to get involved in the lives of the people. I mean, they, they, can't, they can't be distant. Uh, they have to get to know the people, shepherding them, knowing their strengths, knowing their weaknesses, helping them in their walk. And as they do that, I believe the gifted will, will emerge and will be visible. Uh, related to that, uh, I, would, I, I think that, that pastors need to be... be uh, involved in equipping the people. Um, it's crucial that, that uh, you know, that can look many different ways, the, the equipping aspect. Um, but he's called to equip the saints for works of service. And as he does that, as he's involved with the people, equipping them, uh, I, I believe those, those people will surface who have that gift. I think he needs to be a listener. Uh, asking people for input, hey, who, who among you have you noticed who, who seems to have this gift? So he, he might ask others and, uh, you know, be a listener, be, be observant regarding it. And I think a pastor has to be involved in some level in the educational ministry of the church. Um, and, and I realize the, the, the stresses are great. Having been a pastor, it's extremely difficult. Um, but as, as involved as he can, as led of the Lord, um, he's going to learn much about his flock if he's involved at that level of, uh, of the ministry. Um, and uh, there's a couple other things. I mean, it's kind of obvious, but as far as helping people to observe that gift, to exercise it, he's got he's to encourage them and provide opportunities in which they can, they can teach uh, and one final thought um, is the pastor can can teach on spiritual gifts. That may be one of the most uh, motivating ways in which uh, he might be able to locate those who have that gift. As he as he teaches about the gifts, uh, there may be those who are are recognized as having it in the process. All right, in the studio with us today has been Dr. Matt Harrison, uh, with us discussing preaching and teaching. Dr. Harrison, it's been a pleasure having you in the studio. Yeah, it's been great to be with you. Thank you.